Are you ready? Yeah, you think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. Break it down! Nation fam, what is up? What is happening? We're back again. It's the DJ Nation podcast powered by the Fantasy Authority here to talk about top and middle, middle and late round targets, I guess, if we can uh, get that out here. Ryan Williams here at Ryan Alexander underscore W is where you can find me on Twitter. Joined by the usual suspects, the godfather himself, Mr. Kevin Steele at Fantasy Rat 13 and Maddie2v2, Maddie DFS on Twitter, Maddie Dickinson there. Boys, we're here to talk about the middle and late round targets. There's a ton, I feel like, that we've touched on uh, a little bit sporadically as we've done two shows already, this being our third. But there's a lot of questions that are being had at ADP and a lot of just questions in general with landing spots not being set for a lot of people to to defer from. Uh, Kev, we kind of started with you on the last episode. So, Maddie, I want to hear from you as you're looking at ADP and seeing where you can take advantage of, and it doesn't have to be position, you know, based necessarily, but where, where are you looking at for the middle and late round targets? What, what are you getting to as far as maybe it's teams or maybe it's a, a sneaky stack or maybe it's something that might be unknown that you're looking to take advantage of? Talk to the people. Yeah, so really, I just wanted to bring up a couple uh, mid, mid to mid-late round targets uh, that I'm seeing that I think really stand out in terms of, you know, that could be league winners uh, at the running back and wide receiver position. The first one being Chase Edmonds for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, it's, Kenyon Drake is likely to not return uh, for for the Cardinals to be their starting running back. So we've seen Edmonds do it while while Kenyon Drake has been hurt. And, and Edmonds has even produced with Kenyon Drake on the team and playing the same uh, in the same game. So uh, Chase Edmonds – He's going currently going at, at RB thirty three on under at on underdog, uh, and I think that's way too low. Uh, I think he's got top twenty upside as a running back as a starting running back for Arizona. Uh, you could even argue top ten running back upside uh, if he were to play a full season. So uh, yeah, I I think Chase Edmonds is is just criminally under underpriced there. Right ahead of him as well uh, at RB. 30 is Raheem Mostert in San Francisco, which I mentioned, you know, the San Francisco uh, offense is one that I like uh, on our intro show a couple weeks or last week. Mostert's going to, he's going to get the bulk of the work, the early down work. He's their main guy. Uh, yes, I they do tend to run three or four running backs out there on a weekly basis, but Mostert is the guy who gets 10 to 15 touches a week uh, and he's explosive. And in that offense with Kyle Shanahan uh, at the helm, you know, calling the plays and, and, you know, the schemes that they they cook up for their running backs. Uh, I really do like Mostert there. Uh, he's explosive. Uh, he's one of the fastest running backs in the league. So he's always got that home run upside, which we talk about on, on each episode. You know, you want guys with 
with that high upside, uh, and, and Mostert ha- does have that splash playability. So uh, those are two of the the mid mid. I mean, you could even say they're going late for for the running back position, going uh, not even in the top thirty. So definitely two that I'm looking at there, uh, running back, and then sliding over to wide receiver. Juju Smith Schuster is another uh, middle mid range guy that that I'm really looking at. Uh, we've we've been talking about you know taking advantage of uncertain situations, uh, and, and I jokingly uh, said off stream before the show uh, that you know if I can have Juju at ADP of 67 and Noodle Arm Ben Roethlisberger is not throwing him the ball, sign me oh. up. Uh, so I, I'm I'm in on Juju. Uh, you know had a hundred catches. Uh, 900 yards, nine touchdowns with Noodle Arm Big Ben throwing him the ball. Uh, I am all for Juju getting a change of scenery if he does not return to Pittsburgh, uh, which it sounds like he is not going to do. Uh, so yeah, he's gonna he could be the wide receiver one somewhere and not really have Deontay and, and Claypool stealing stealing his targets. Which it seems like Juju's operated best as the wide receiver two uh, when AB was in town though. So maybe he does need a need a counterpart um, there, but a contending team uh, Juju may want to sign Juju. He's only 24. So uh, I I'm excited for Juju to uh, change teams. And and I think that, you know, he can smash for fantasy purposes. And then outside of that, Corey Davis is another one. Uh, Ryan, you, you brought him up on the last show, you know, how I, how I brought, how I like to, you know, pick, pick on him all year in DFS with the Titans. Um, mm-hmm. We've got no clue where Corey Davis is going to land, but the volume can only go up in terms of a pass offense that he's going to be involved in. Uh, the, you know, the Titans are one of the lowest pass rate teams in the league. They love to run the ball anywhere he goes. Like let's say he hypothetically ends up in green Bay, a team that desperately needs a wide receiver uh, opposite of, of Devonte Adams. And, you know, maybe Aaron Rodgers is now throwing the ball to Corey Davis uh, with a little bit more volume in a passing offense. So uh, on a team that, you know, maybe not have Aaron Jones. So there is, you know, a lot of uncertainty as where Corey Davis is going to land, but the kid's talented. Uh, he showed it this past year. He, he checked all the boxes in terms of underlying metrics like air yards, uh, target share, market share. Um, and he was basically one for one, the same production as A.J. Brown. And, and A.J. Brown, we all hype up as this top 10 wide receiver in the league right now. Um, and, and for good reason. A.J. Brown's a stud. But I, I think that there is a lot of negative, you know, kind of discussion that goes around towards directed at Corey Davis because he had a a disappointing rookie and sophomore year. And then finally he had a breakout year last year. Um, And so he's a, he's a talent that I want to bet on at a cheaper price. Uh, He's, he's currently going around ADP of a hundred. So 112 to be exact. Uh, So yeah, two guys that I'm four guys that I'm interested in there. Yeah, no, all, all great options, Maddie, for sure. And, and you know, wide receiver is definitely a fun one to look at um, as we're, you know, talking about middle and late round targets. How much, how many times have we mentioned, you know, the Colts bringing in Wentz into that situation? But a guy like Paris Campbell, who's who's going well into the 150s, um, who's coming off of an injury there. I know Michael Pittman's a favorite. I have him uh, on a couple of best ball teams and Kevin uh, kind of alluded to him in our first episode that we did a best ball of him kind of being a sleeper. And you're looking at the ADP now and it's not really catching up to, to a guy like him. So he, he definitely finds himself in a, in an interesting situation. And another, another situation that I'm looking at too, is it's just the giants. I mean, you know, like guys like Dar- Darius Slayton, 
Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard being there. Daniel Jones is not really attractive. Saquon Barkley is going to be back and hopefully healthy um, there as a, you know, as a stud running back that we're accustomed to seeing him as. But I think there's a lot of question marks to be had there as the Giants. And when we're talking about home run hitters, you know, at the position tight end is really ugly. So getting Evan Ingram lay where people are talking about him having, you know, no hands or whatever the case may be, um, taking a flyer on him could could be enticing. And then a guy like Darius Slayton late, I think I think is is interesting. Kev, what are you looking at um, as far as middle and late round targets go as you're building your best ball teams? Yeah, to me, I mean, there's 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 quite a few guys that really stood out to me um, just as far as the, the kind of the middle round guys that that really that I'm going to be looking for and that. You know, some of it doesn't really surprise me because of how they finish. But, you know, Miles Sanders for me is going ridiculously low in terms of just where he was going last year to where he's going this year. Um, He's currently coming off the board about 28.7 RB 18, RB 19 range. And to me, there is a lot of upside here with him as a whole. Like if you go back and, you know, we just kind of remember last year, like he, he wasn't. I think in most people's mind, like he wasn't what everybody was hoping to be. He was somebody that was really hyped up. I was on that train last year for him, but he still wasn't as bad as what people try to make him out to be. If you look at his numbers, he was on pace last year. Had he played a full 16, I mean, he played 12 games, but had he played a full 16, he would have rushed for 1,200 yards or he was on pace for 1,200 yards and, you know, likely somewhere probably eight to 10 touchdown reigns and then with probably another three to 400 yards receiving. So, I mean, he was on pace to have a really solid season. And in terms of the efficiency numbers, like those were all there. Um, He was uh, 10th in yards created per touch, which was uh, 1.67, 14th in total yards created. And again, that's that's impressive considering he he only played in 12 games. He his route participation was fourth at 62.9 percent. He was seventh in routes run. He's uh, sixth at opportunity share. And now with uh, Doug Peterson gone, we'll have to see kind of how things shake out here. But I don't think they're going to bring in uh, a running back that is going to truly uh, threaten him. Boston Scott is a free agent, so he is gone. I, I do think they'll probably bring in somebody, but I don't think it's going to be somebody that's going to neuter him or take away his opportunities. And he was seventh in weighted opportunity. And I think with just this offense getting better as a whole, like when they went through that stretch last year, that probably six, seven, eight game stretch where that offense fucking just awful you know with, with all that gone um, the offensive line back getting brandon brooks back you know who they lost uh, over the offseason program which was a massive blow to that offensive line i think the the arrow is pro- pointing up for miles sanders and i am looking to buy especially as low as he's going he was the guy for most people that were taking in the you know as a top 10 running back and now he has really fallen off so i like him quite a bit I can't help but mention A.J. Dillon. Just keep hammering that A.J. Dillon. If you're going to be able to get him, you know, look like right now he's going about right around the fifth round. That is too low for him. Uh, Aaron Jones likely isn't coming back. So just just keep taking A.J. Dillon, getting the, the starting running back for the Green Bay Packers, you know, in that range. You're, you're likely not going to get him any cheaper. I am a proponent of taking some of these rookie running backs that uh, I think their value is only going to raise. You know, Javante Williams certainly – but even guys like Najee Harris, I think you could take a look at. But even it's not even them. Like if you go way down and some of these other guys were the more unknown running backs, a lot of people don't know who they are. You know, um, you know, Kenny Gainwell, Jamar Jefferson, um, you know, both those guys could be top five running backs and land in the right spot. And yes, you're, you're kind of taking a gamble on them. 
but I think they're worth it. Even like an Anthony McFarland, depending on what Pittsburgh decides to do, at, you know, somebody they drafted last year, he actually led last year's class in yards created, and he is going at 212. So taking just a shot on that guy or Darrington Evans in Tennessee, you know, those guys that are going to be going super, super late. Kylan Hill, who's a rookie this year, uh, is another guy that people that should be taking. I like taking those shots on those those really late round guys at running back, but at wide receiver, you know, there's some guys that just automatically Brandon Ayuk, 58th overall, wide receiver 26. He should be going higher than that. That stretch that Brandon Ayuk had last year was legendary. That most people in DFS didn't jump on until late um, because he was just on a run last year. Wide receiver six, 13, 14, 10, six. You know. And then when everybody finally got on the, the train, he he uh, he laid a goose egg in week 16, but then he got hurt. But, yeah, Brandon Ayuk is going to be an absolute stud. They're going to continue to get the ball in his hands in many different ways. There may be some people that are a little hesitant because of the fact that, you know, George Kittle will be back and 100% healthy. Debo Samuel will be healthy. So, you know, how does he fit in? How much opportunities he have? But I still like that value for him. I think he's a, a credible uh, value at, right now. And then – Tyler Boyd is always consistently undervalued every single fucking year. And it's like he was on pace. He was a wide receiver one last year when Joe Burrow was healthy. When Joe Burrow went down and the insert shitty quarterback up quarterback that they have, you know, he fell off a cliff. And so I like Tyler Boyd quite a bit. He's wide receiver 29 right now, 65th overall. I like that value. He is a strong, and, and A.J. Green is gone, and right now it looks like it's going to be him and T. Higgins in that offense. John Ross is also a free agent, which he was never a factor anyways last year. So I like both of those guys as kind of those wide receiver threes you're probably getting on your team, depending on how you know how your draft plays out. And then I'm just going to say it, you know, he's not really necessarily, I guess, falls in the range of a late or a middle guy, but Julio fucking Jones going at 45th and like wide receiver, what was he? Wide receiver like 20, something like that is fucking stupid. I don't like, I get it. He's getting older. He's 32. He just turned 32. I get it. But he was still Julio fucking Jones last year. A lot of people like to talk about him like he fell off a cliff or something. He did not. He was eighth in fantasy points per route run last year. All of the efficiency numbers are still really good for him. And yes, he, he dealt with some injuries last year, only played nine games, but he had plenty of boom weeks, and that's exactly what we're looking for in best ball anyway. Um, so I'm about that life. He had 33.7, 20.7, 24.7. The numbers are all there still him for him. So I still, if, if he's going to drop that far, I'm going to have a lot more Julio Jones on my teams than I thought I would because if he was going wide receiver three, wide receiver four, no, I'd probably, probably pass. But where he's going now makes him an incredible value. Um, for, so those are the guys that I'd be targeting in the middle round. Yeah, I mean, Julio Jones is absolutely incredible. I mean, this is a guy who is consistently in the top 12 of the wide receiver position, like every year that he's been involved. And if he's on the field, like you're saying, Kev, I mean, you're we're, in best ball, you're looking for just the booms, the boom weeks. And when you can take advantage of a guy like Julio Jones going that going that late i mean injury game if you want to play that then sure i mean maybe best ball is not for you to begin with if you're already thinking about the injury game before you draft your players you should always be thinking about upside and when he's on the field he's going to do damage um you know the allergic to the end zone type of stuff uh, they don't like to give him the ball i think that's kind of gone to the wayside um it's still julio jones so that that is definitely a huge value to get him at um a guy that i was beating the drum 
for in in the previous episodes and who I still like is Darnell Mooney. I mean, they, you know, it, it's not like they invested a, a, a huge, you know, draft capital equity in this guy. But again, it's the Bears, so they don't have too many picks to begin with. Um, so any pick that they make is, is probably a value. But you're looking at Allen Robinson probably being gone. Um, Anthony Miller coming back off of an injury. The tight end situation is pretty much Cole Komet and then a bunch of other guys. And Darnell Mooney was was catching on strong there. Um you know, before his injury, just really being a dynamic player there. Um, and so if they can upgrade the QB position, I think it's definitely wills up for him. But even if not, I mean, he's going to be the main guy. And, I'm, you know, you were, we're talking about, Kev, you mentioned it in Cincinnati, a guy like Ryan Finley, like he they still have to produce. So fantasy points are still going to be coming like Tua in Miami, like fantasy points still got to come from somewhere. And if he is going to be an alpha wide receiver one, at the very least a wide receiver two, um, he's definitely going under the radar and, and definitely makes for, for a good late target there. Um, I want to, I want to stick on the running backs because I, I do think it's interesting as we, we see some of the, some of these, uh, situations unfold and Kev you kind of brought up the the rookies who you know I don't think people want to draft the rookie running backs without knowing where their landing spot is because that seems to be a big thing for them I mean look at the Jonathan Taylor and Clyde Edwards Hilaire of last year them getting their landing spots really kind of skyrocketed them and catapulted them up um, in the boards too um, and Maddie you mentioned a guy like Chase Edmonds too but I want to talk about if there's any any guys like who are going under the radar. I'm looking at guys like Naheem Hines, you know, being the kind of handcuff, I guess, so to speak, to Jonathan Taylor, who is basically going as a first-round pick for some people. And then Naheem Hines is going way later at the running back position. And and Naheem Hines had a role um, in in this offense. So that'll be interesting to see kind of how that unfolds and rolls out. I'm looking at guys like J.D. McKissick, who's going late, Zach Moss, who's going late with Devin Singletary. He doesn't really stand out to me at all. So if Zach Moss is going to be the lead guy in that backfield, you could get a late flyer. Are there any late flyers specifically at the running back position? Because that is a heavy position. We're looking at running backs, you know, going very favored in, in the top three rounds of best balls at this current state in the game. So you're always looking to get that value at wide receiver, but value at running backs, what's sticking out to you guys, if anything at all? Maddie, I'll start with you, if there's anything. Uh, yeah, uh, Chase Edmonds and, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire are two guys going, you know, cheaper than they should be. They're not necessarily yeah. values, but, um, I mean, it's hard to know without knowing where, especially with the rookies, where some of these guys are going to land because scheme and and opportunity really is king for, for running backs. Um, But if I was going to take a shot, uh, you know what? I'm not even going to say it. Kev, if you're going to take a shot on a rookie running back, who's it going to be? Taking out of some of the guys that are probably like, well, yeah, but but those are probably the guys. Layup for Javante Williams. And you, I already mentioned him. I already said it. I already said it earlier. Like, Hell yeah. Like I'm about Javante Williams life, but he is going much higher than a lot of these other guys that he is going in in some of the ranges of guys who are, you know, NFL, you know, guys, we may have an idea of who they're, who they are, who they should be or or where their, their opportunities. Cause if you look at where he's going, like I said, AJ Dillon range, Chris Carson is still on the board, Melvin Gordon, Ronald Jones, like all these guys. Listen, I think that if he lands in the right spot, he goes to a Pittsburgh, Atlanta, Arizona, then 
he it's wheels fucking up for Javante Williams and he flies up this draft board. And probably the same thing with Najee Harris once we figure out his draft board or what his draft position. But right now, Najee Harris is going 34.9, much higher and, and getting much closer to uh, taking away the value that you have from him. You're still getting some value because if he goes and lands in that, that perfect spot, he's going to be a guy who you see going in the top 10 here. But in terms of the, the other the guys, I mean, you look at like Kenny Gainwell, 104.9 is, is his ABP. That's probably going to change depending on where he lands. Like a lot of this stuff is on that. Michael Carter, 143. Michael Carter is a terrific running back and not somebody I project as a three down back, but somebody that people should definitely be looking at. Um, the, you know, some of the guys I already talked about, Kylan Hill is, is um, Jamar Jefferson. I, I haven't even seen Jamar Jefferson's name on this list yet. And if I have it, that's a fucking mistake because Jamar Jefferson is a fucking baller and somebody that I think that could be a true three down fucking workhorse. I've been scrolling through here to try to find him. I have not seen his name yet. Uh, I'm sure he's going somewhere. But like, but guys like this, this is where you get your value because but and this is where you are going to win a draft is by nailing these dudes because once we get the draft, once this stuff happens, all of this changes and all of these dudes start shuffling around and moving up. And same thing with free agency. You know, we're going to get another shift in the market because we're going to start getting some more answers to where some of these guys are at. Because right now, there's a lot of uncertainty. And with the amount of guys that are free agents this year, it's hard to not step on a landmine and be like, oh, is this guy a free agent or not? Because there's so many free agents this year. So we're going to get a lot more movement than we typically do. But, you know, like I said, I think the edge right now is taking a shot on a few of these running backs that are rookies late. And and you're going to get them at the cheapest they're ever that they're ever going to be in terms of value. So I do like those guys in terms of like even wide receiver right now. Like I am drooling and salivating over the fact of being able to get Denzel Mims at wide receiver 54. If they get a quarterback, especially if they trade for Deshaun Watson, Denzel Mims is to the moon, right? Because Denzel Mims is a fucking baller and played in terms of just how bad that offense was last year. But Denzel Mims is a 96th percentile fucking speed score, a 90th percentile fucking burst score, 95th percentile catch radius. The guy is a fucking monster, six foot three, two hundred seven, and and like I said, limited opportunities last year, really, really looked good. And I would get so frustrated because I played him last year in DFS because I kept waiting for him to go off, but that offense was so incompetent. But Denzel Mims is an incredible value right now, and somebody that could easily finish as like a wide receiver too. And somebody that gives you multiple weeks of usability. And like I said, they land the right quarterback, whether that's or even if they stick with Sam Darnold. I like Denzel Mims, and he is by far my favorite late round guy at wide receiver. What about uh, go ahead, Manny? Non rookie, but what about non sexy guys like Gus Edwards? You know, he's going like the 130 ADP range. Uh, he's going to split time with J.K. Dobbins, but I mean, He's got a role locked in with that Baltimore offense. And like he, we've seen him even with Dobbins, you know, getting starting to, t- to take over the lead role down the second half of the season last year. Edwards was still pretty heavily utilized towards the goal line and, and Mark Ingram's not coming back. Um, and so I don't know, like guys like that, I think are okay to take, to take shots on in, in late round. Uh, if you, if you're looking for a running back to help contribute to your team, I don't necessarily – I mean, it would take an injury to J.K. Dobbins for Gus Edwards to be like you have to have him to win a league. But if you're just trying to fill out a roster with – like let's say you've taken risks on on other players on your team somewhere else like in the middle middle rounds of your draft and you're, you're getting down to it and you're just like, I just want a safe guy who, you know, I can – am likely going to use a few times here and there. 
to mix in with these riskier plays that I have on, at other spots on my roster. And you don't want to go full balls to the wall uh, throughout your entire roster top to bottom. Then I, I think guys like that are, are kind of interesting, but um, I don't necessarily think that he's got, you know, the highest upside in the world, but he does probably have the safest, safest role of the area that he's being drafted in. Yeah, no, I think I'll oh, go ahead. Kev. No, I was just going to say, no, I think that doesn't make sense. And trying to identify certain guys, who maybe, you know, and maybe Pittsburgh doesn't draft a, a running back really high, right? And they stick with Benny yeah. Snell and Anthony McFarlane. Benny Snell is going incredibly late as well. Like, he's not somebody that's, that's 205. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Is where he's being drafted and Anthony McFarland at 212. Like taking some shots at this and because we all expect Pittsburgh to take a, a running back, but they don't have a ton of money. They have other areas that they could address. Maybe offensive line, especially when they're losing, you know, their center and everything else. And they're going to have some areas they're going to have to improve in. Their defensive line is set, but maybe they don't take a running back and they, they stick with Benny Snell and and uh, Anthony McFarland. Well, those guys are incredible values because two hundred five and two twelve is where they're coming off the board. So taking some shots on those guys that have incredible upside. Uh, that you know, if you hit on those guys or one of those guys, it's wheels up. Yeah, and 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 it gets interesting there in the in the rounds 15, 16, 17, 18, if you guys are drafting on underdog or even on best ball, because that's really where you're looking to take some of these flyers, uh, like Kevin's alluded to. Kevin, you've already brought up McFarland twice, and I think that's a that's a good point because they did kind of invest some draft capital in in a guy like him. Um, with having Benny Snell there and already having Connor there. But now that situation is going to be flipped on its head. Roethlisberger isn't getting any younger. So to get to get a guy in Pittsburgh and Tomlin's still there, like they love to run the ball. They love to get that established. And um, that that's very interesting. I do think that, you know, it, it, looking at situations and how they unfold too, because Rashad Penny for Seattle, you know, you, you can get him kind of late too. And if Chris Carson he's going to be a free agent and they don't bring Russell Wilson back or, or they trade him, so to speak, not bring him back. They trade him to another team. Like we know what Pete Carroll likes to do because he has Russell Wilson there. He doesn't want to let Russ cook. So he's going to run the ball. And I mean, how many times have we waited for Rashad Penny to, to kind of take things over and do something, some of the running backs. So there, there is a lot to be had there. And I think it, 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 it does speak to kind of knowing, Matty, you've alluded to it. Knowing the structure of your draft, knowing what, what people are dra- what uh, people are doing around you, and how they're drafting, but just in the sense of how you're building your team and and what can what can unfold, because there are ways to kind of take advantage um, of things. Late, uh, I wanted to touch on another wide receiver here, but it missed me. So. Um, I don't know. We're 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 hitting on all of them. I feel like we're hitting all the spots of of just where where you can take advantage of where where people are are kind of thinking and where they're going and things just going under the radar. Are there any other things that we might have missed that could be going under the radar uh, for these middle and late rounds that we haven't hit on yet? The only thing I would say is is maybe getting in on some of these tight ends because 
Uh, there's a lot of variance once you get past really the top two guys, really. Uh, Travis Kelsey and Kittle, I should say, and probably top three should add Darren Waller into that with what, how consistent he's been the last couple of years. You know, um, I don't think you can put Mark Andrews into that because of volume. TJ Hawkinson could be interesting because he could end up just being the only fucking guy in Detroit there for Jared Goff to throw the ball to. But I think some of the other tight end, there is a lot of guys who have, you know, a pretty high ceiling. Jonu Smith, who's a free agent, depending on where he lands, you know, he could finally land in a spot where teams let aside use because he is an athletic fucking monster. Irv Smith, who's going pretty damn late at 137. You know, I already talked about Austin Hooper on a previous show, 153.8 on here. You know, Adam Troutman was a great name to bring up. Somebody that that in an offense that's not going to have a lot of love. Donald Parham in, in the Chargers, if they don't uh-huh. bring in enough time. Christopher fucking Herndon. Chris Herndon, yes. 201 for the Jets. I love that landing spot, and I love getting my hands on him because we know some of these guys are going to break out. They're with the Jets, and we're just going to be like, yep, Adam Gase fucked it up again. So – I, I think some, there's some tight ends here that I would take some shots on because I think most people, like if you can get Travis Kelsey or George Kittle, you know, early, I would, I would look to do so. But if you get past those guys and probably Darren Waller, it's time to wait on tight end and start stacking some of these later round tight ends. Yeah, um, Maddie, oh, I was just going to say, Maddie, before, before you say something like that, that's what I was looking at too, was the late round tight ends as Kev was talking about Denzel Mims. I mean, Chris Herndon has been a guy who's burned people for two seasons, I feel like, in a row of just thinking that he was going to break out and not do anything, but he's still going to be there. A guy like Mo Ali Cox in Indy, now that Carson Wentz is there. Are they got Frank Wright is there? He's the tight end guru. Like, are they going to try and run Jack Doyle, who signed until 2022, and Mo Ali Cox there? Make them significant. Like, I, I agree with Kev. We were talking about this in pre pre show. Like, outside of the top three in Kittle or Kelsey Kittle and and Waller. I don't want to get the get them mixed up because Kelsey's a stud. Uh, but outside of those guys, and maybe you throw Mark Andrews into the mix if he can get something going, but you don't need to reach on any of these other guys if you can get some of these late round tight ends going. So as you as you pick it up, Maddie, I just wanted to allude to that there are some late round targets at the tight end position that do make for interesting uh, value. Yeah, and, and I don't really want to focus – Uh, my time too much on specific guys I more so wanted to hit back on a point that I kind of touched on last week in the intro show and that's if you're not taking one of those uh Kelsey Kittle Waller tight ends at the top uh feel free to grab three tight ends in the middle like the the back end of the draft like rounds 10 plus uh and and let them just kind of mix and mingle into your into your starting lineup uh over the course of the season because tight end is volatile uh, even, you know, even the the guys we feel confident in in the middle rounds will have multiple dud weeks throughout the year. There's only the, those three guys at the top, really maybe even only two. Like I could argue it's really only Kittle and Kelsey who don't have dud weeks because uh, Waller has a monster ceiling, but he can still put up four points on any given week. Whereas Kittle and Kelsey, they're basically pretty much a lock for double digit points week in and week out. Uh, Kelsey even more so than Kittle, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, if it's just so important to to know that if you're going to spend draft capital on a tight end up top, uh, that you really need to limit the number of tight ends you pick because you need that guy to smash uh, week in and week out, or else that that draft capital up top would not have been worth it. Um, so uh, if you're taking a guy like Kelsey, limit your your roster to two tight ends, 
And if you're not taking one of those top tight ends, I think taking three tight ends uh, is is the way to go uh, and mix and match those those guys off the wall like like Herndon and like uh, like uh, Ryan and Kevin mentioning. So um, I just wanted to touch briefly more so on the on the strategy point of tight end as opposed to diving into some specifics. But because uh, I think you guys hit the nail on the head at the tight end position. So I just think. So it's same thing with quarterback. I think a lot of people they they spend too much draft capital on those two positions when you only get to start one per week. So uh, it's right. it's just important to know um, how you're allocating that draft capital to those two positions. And you and you brought it up before, Maddie, on on our first show. Like if you were taking uh, Mahomes early, you're probably only going to take one other quarterback, right? You're not gonna you're not you're you're gonna ride with it you're you're gonna say Mahomes my god like if he right. gets he gets hurt but if I'm drafting a guy at, at the at a position like quarterback or tight end that early I need them to absolutely smash and outpace the field so far that it made sense to take them that early because the the gap in where you're drafting that QB or that tight end as opposed to where all the others are being drafted is so large that they they have to absolutely smash for it to make sense for you to draft them there. Um, whereas running back, running back and wide receiver, they're all kind of grouped together uh, in, in a very, very tight uh, window of picks. Whereas like the, the first running back off the board and the 20th running back off the board, maybe only 25 or 30 picks apart from each other. Whereas the first QB and the first tight end off the board and the 25th and 25th quarterback and tight end off the board are like maybe 200 picks apart from each other. So it's just you just you need to you know kind of assess where your draft capital is going, and um, I think tight end is is an important position to to kind of uh, play around with two versus three, depending on which you which route you go up top. Kev, before before I switch it over to you, because I want to get your thoughts on something, I, I have two things that I really wanted to touch on, and I, I guess I'll I'll start with this one. Um, Maddie kind of alluded to it in in the last podcast too, with just the New or- New Orleans situation. We don't know what's going on there at the at the quarterback position. So we got Jameis Winston, we got Taysom Hill, unless they do something else, like what what late round flyer would you feel comfortable in taking? At that point, I think I know the answer uh, <laughs> for you, Kev. Uh, but I'm I'm just curious because that that is there's equity to be had there about whoever is the starting quarterback. I mean, we know Sean Payton, like he's living in his basement, loves Taysom Hill uh, to the T's. But they brought in Jameis on this contract, and and they could be bringing him back too to be doing something if, if Breeze um, hits the booth. So. That that's a situation I just wanted to touch on as we are talking about middle and late round targets here. You mean what, which quarterback without what I want? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Basically, which which quarterback would you feel comfortable in? Because they're both going super late. So I mean, at that point, you're just taking a stand on on who you would want. And I I think I know your answer, but again, it's just we don't. It's Sean Payton. We don't know what he would do. Um, if the two options are given there, so they both carry some weight. And I'm just curious to hear how you guys feel about the two of those guys. Uh, give me Jameis is, is where I was, where I would go. Uh, <laughs> right. Jameis is great for fantasy purposes. Um, I don't know how much he's grown as a, 
um, you know, as a real life NFL quarterback. But in terms of fantasy purposes, like I think Jameis would be fantastic. I'm not hate like Taysom Hill brings that level of Konami code and everything else, but I think he would get exposed really quickly. We started to see a little bit, you know, before that uh, Drew Brees came back last year. Like he's not a great passer. That's not his game at all. He is much more of just a gadget kind of kind of player. And I think he would be better suited staying in that role and not trying to be a starting quarterback. I think it would be ridiculous. Like I can't see a, a scenario. If they bring Jameis Winston back, it's for him to start. He is not going to come back there, in my opinion. With the with the amount, there, there's still a lot of landing spots left for quarterbacks right now. Chicago needs a quarterback. New England needs a quarterback. Washington needs a quarterback. Like there's a lot of landing spots right now for quarterbacks, and I just can't see a scenario where he, if he comes back, it's to be the starter. So I would be shocked if he came back and he's just going to chill holding the clipboard again. Like he's still young, he still has that ability, and so like I think he probably wants a shot at a, at a starting at a starting job. And the Saints would be fucking amazing if, if if they were to give it to him. So in that regard, does that make Jameis the best quarterback player to pick right now? Because if if you're approaching it that way, like you're saying, if he comes back to the Saints, he's going to be the starting quarterback of the Saints. He's not going to ride Pine again behind Taysom Hill. Okay, if he doesn't quarterback the Saints. He's going somewhere where he is going to quarterback, and he's currently being drafted as the 28th quarterback off the board right now. And we know he'll sling it all over the yard. I think I think you're right. I think it makes him the probably the best value in terms of uh, that you can possibly get right now. And just and just hammering that and saying, you know what, I'm going to take a stand here on Jameis and 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 take a shot because the second he signs with New Orleans or or decides where he's right. going to go, if he goes there and it's you know he's going to be the starter. It's flying up. He he's gonna start going much, 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 much earlier. And so and then you know, their weapons that they still have there. I mean, they still they still have Emmanuel. I'm pretty sure Emmanuel Sanders is still under contract with them. I'm pretty sure um that, that he's still there, that he'll still be available for them. And so him and Michael Thomas, you know, Adam Trotman and Sean fucking Payton. So and I'm sure they'll do something in the draft to to address some of these other positions they have. So, you know, getting Jameis behind behind that offensive line with Sean Payton would be like sex. So Yes, I think that he makes him for an, just an absolutely incredible value. Yeah, and you don't have to spend a lot to to get a guy like Jameis right now. You could get him in the second to last round, if not the last round, basically, in some of the drafts that we're seeing. As we get ready to wrap it up, guys, and we are talking about middle and late round targets, and I just wanted to hit on something because we haven't touched on this in any one of the shows. Like, If we're talking about middle and late round targets, <clears throat> what would be a scenario for you guys to be looking at handcuffs um, in the middle and late rounds as, as we get to this. I know it's a it's uh, handcuffs are always the thing. People always want to talk about, you know, should I handcuff this guy because I drafted him so early or should I handcuff this guy because it's a committee? And uh, be, there are so many certain unknowns, so to speak, at this point. So it, it does make it a little bit more difficult to think about truly getting a handcuff. But Kev, as you were talking, you brought up Darrington Evans, like thinking about getting a guy like Derrick Henry in the first round. If something were to happen to him, they don't really have any other backs right now that could fill in besides Darrington. And he did get drafted um, in a decent spot last year, you know, you're taking a guy like McFarland or Snell in Pittsburgh. If they don't get anybody, Jonathan Taylor, he's going early. Can you get Naheem Hines later? I'm just interested to see if that if that gets to any of you guys, if you'd be looking to do that or when you would be looking to handcuff, if any. Um, Maddie, I can start with you. Yeah, so I probably approach handcuffs different than a lot of people. Um, 
I personally do not handcuff ever because I think you're you're capping your upside. Um, it kind of goes back to, you know, if you're taking three quarterbacks and you only got one slot, you're kind of capping your upside there too. But um, if I, like, let's say uh, the, the Cowboys are a perfect example, right? Let's say I draft Zeke in the, in the first back into the first round. And I'm like, man, but if Zeke, anything happens to Zeke, Tony Pollard is going to absolutely smash. And I know everybody's thinking, well, in, in like in regular season long, I think handcuffs are probably more acceptable, but in best ball, if I lose Zeke, my first round pick, and the thinking is, okay, well, I have Pollard to replace him. Well, the ultimate leverage would be to not have drafted Zeke, but to draft Pollard. And so now Zeke gets hurt. I not only have Pollard acting as Zeke, but I still have my first round pick that was not Zeke and is still active. So I now have both. And that's kind of the the thing that can can vault you to the top uh, of the standings is having that that quote unquote handcuff, but not handcuffed to a guy on your team. Um, so that's how I approach it from a, a high ceiling standpoint. Um, I just think if you're if you're using two players to fill one roster spot, you're just limiting your upside. So that's just how I've approached it in best ball. Now season long can be a little different because uh, obviously you got you know you got to pick and choose guys to play week in and week out, and you don't get to automatically fill fill your team with with points. Um, and you're looking for for weekly production, so that that is slightly different. But yeah, for for best ball, um, I'm I'm out on the handcuffs. Kev, what say you? Took the words right out of my mouth. That's exactly like you should never handcuff your own guys. You're just you're just it. It doesn't matter if it's if it's best ball or if it's redraft. Like uh, season long, it doesn't matter. Like you're, it's just it's you are handcuffing yourself uh, in terms of the ceiling you're going to be able to get out. Of. So no, you should never handcuff your own guys in best ball ever. You should always be trying to get everybody else's handcuffs because that 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 is where you all, all, all automatically win. So. Yes, you should take guys like Alexander Madison and Tony Pollard and guys like that who have an opportunity to just smash. Like we saw with Tony Pollard last year when Zeke Elliott went out. Like those guys' ceilings go up immensely, but you should never take your own handcuffs because you're just because you're not helping yourself any. And there's no guarantee that you're even gonna fucking pick the handcuff, right? To be honest with you. So let's say, I don't know, if you're uh you know a team and you, you handcuff your guy. And you know you have no idea how many how how many times we think we know who the guy is. Uh, you, pick Le- you pick you pick Leonard Fournette in the first round, and then you handcuff him with Ozigbo, and yeah. it ends up being James oh, Robinson. <laughs> yeah, no, not o, not Ozigbo, uh, Ryquel Armstead. Oh yeah, Armstead oh, yeah. too. For for and Jacksonville, I, I I'll never forget Saquon Barkley last you year. Have to, you have know, to. Oh yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah. not even that, but like if you go back to a few, I mean, this was probably what five or six years ago now, but Zach Stacy, whatever he won people leagues. It, I can't even remember the fucking other running back. It was, but there was another running back. I can't remember off the top of my head. I have to look it up. Was that the, was that oh, yes, 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 right. It was Benny Cunningham. Uh, that's who it was. I'm pretty sure that's who it was. And everybody thought he was going to be the, the guy and it ended up being Zach Stacy. And of course we all know now how all that turned out, but Far often, more often than not, we don't know who that guy actually is going to be, unless it's a clear cut like Alexander Madison would be or Tony Pollard, where we just know, okay, that guy is going to be the number two. If you don't know that, and it, it could be an open anything, right. don't draft him. <laughs> like, because like, because you have no idea what you're doing. You're just taking shots. 
And I and I wanted to bring that up because I think it's important because it comes up every time, every every draft, everything that people get into. They always you always think about handcuffs. Oh, I have this guy. What if he gets hurt or anything like that? Especially you know guys like Zeke who just were banged up or or Barkley even who are just were banged up. Like when is Wayne Gallman gonna go in best ball drafts? It could be interesting, but we we just don't know. And and to be honest with you guys, I brought it up because I don't really think about it from a redraft standpoint because you do have to and you have to look at Tony Pollard being on your roster and being like, oh, I don't want to drop him because I drafted him for this reason to be on my team. So that makes it hurt. Whereas best ball, like you can set it and forget it. Like, oh, I drafted Tony Pollard. I kind of forgot about I have him on the team and now Zeke's down. So that that ends up being one thing. But uh, but yeah, redraft is a whole different story. But always fun to, to bring that up as, as draft equity. We're going to do a ton of these guys. It's best ball here on the DJ Nation podcast. Uh, with your favorite DJ Nation pod powered by the Fantasy Authority. You guys got anything else to touch on in the middle of late rounds as we get ready to sign off? No, I, I didn't really touch on anybody up top. I just want to mention uh, Michael Thomas is being drafted too low. I think he's got an injury discount going in over 20 ADP. Uh, draft Michael Thomas, guys. Yeah. And Kev, you brought up Julio Jones. Is there anything else that you saw um, at the top? I mean, not really at this point. I just think I think Zeke Lelly is going is going a little bit too low for compared to typically he's a you know top three or four guy. And I think with with Dak Prescott back and everything else there with that offense, I think that he could end up being somebody that's going a little bit too low for for where he probably should go. But no, I think overall it's it's shoot for ceiling, boys. You know, early rounds, you know, draft a little bit you know more for for a little bit of floor, not complete floor, but you know they still have to have a high ceiling. But you know, but once you get past. Third, fourth, fifth round, somewhere in there. It's it's time to go fucking head hunting. We're just looking for the fucking golden lottery tickets to to get you over. Especially if you are playing in the um you know the, the ones with the, the the big payouts, the tournament types, right? Like if you're just playing in your standard 12, t- 12 team, that's all it's ever going to be. You can you can do a little bit of things, but once you start getting into the tournaments, that's where things get a little bit more different, and you really have to start trying to take your turn because you're trying to take that motherfucker down, not just place. Yeah. So if you're trying to take it down. You have to try some different things and and do a little bit of strategy and get outside of your comfort zone to do some of these things because that's the way, what's going to win it. And it's like I said, it's like we said last week with these guys. Once you get to the late rounds, don't be taking the fucking the the safe fucking get like Larry Fitzgerald types or whatever. You know, like <laughs> never do that. Don't ever do that. Shoot for upside and shoot for guys that aren't being drafted because that's how you land on James Rob. True, true. I mean, yeah, you might even be James Robinson might not even be going in some of your best balls as last year. But uh, no, that's always fun. And I got or I don't want to say a guy a situation that I'll bring up as we get ready to sign off here. It's not somebody that's going underdrafted. I think overdrafted is the Seattle situation with Russell Wilson. I mean, I won't be taking DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett where these guys are going if we're not even certain that Russell Wilson is going to be there or if he's there, will they let him cook? Like where, where you have to draft both of these guys. It's like Tyler Lockett. How do you even try and believe in him to, to be a substantial guy for you where you're getting that draft equity and then DK Metcalf, if it's not Russell Wilson throwing in the ball, I mean, it, it damn well sure be somebody else who's, who's close uh, to get him there. I get it. The raw talent and everything like that, but the quarterback position, it just, it just makes it a little bit worry for me um, of where these guys are going. So I, I do tend to, 
side on the air of caution uh, with the Seattle situation until, you know, we kind of know where that settles in at. But uh, fun ride with you guys. It's the DJ Nation pod powered by the Fantasy Authority here talking about the top middle and late round targets. We're, we're doing best ball content for you guys all off season long as we get into the draft and get into free agency. So pop on over to the channel. We're having fun here. Subscribe to the channel on YouTube, like the video, tell us what we're doing good, what you want to hear more from. We're, we're open to the suggestions. If you're listening to this podcast on your podcast software, you know, give us a rate and review. We always like that. And you can comment there as well. Um, and we appreciate that. Hit us up on Twitter at DJ nation pod. And uh, we're, we're going to be doing this more more often than not. So uh, we're having fun here with Underdog, with the best ball tens, with all of the best balls that that are being offered. And until DraftKings off, opens up, it's going to be Wills up there. So signing off for the DJ Nation pod for uh, this week. Top and middle late round targets. Uh, myself, Ryan Alexander underscore W is where you can find me on Twitter. The Godfather himself, child, please. Mr. Kevin Steele at Fantasy Rat 13. Maddie 2v2. Maddie gets buckets at Maddie VFS on Twitter. Maddie Dickinson. It's the DJ Nation pod, guys. We appreciate you guys rocking with us in this offseason for the best ball content. We'll be back for some more. But until then, peace and get that money. Think you can tell me what to do? Know who you're talking to? Well, you better get used to the way the war back. I see what you got. Invasions and ounces. But that's a great boy.